Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is Chloe Brotheridge, your host. I am a hypnotherapist, a coach, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution. Welcome to this week's show where I'm going to be talking to Julie Montague and she's the author of the new book, Recharge, a year of self-care to focus on you. And you can forget about what you already think you know about self-care because this book really does give a different perspective on what self-care is. And Julie's going to be sharing some of those techniques and strategies that she recommends and she's experienced in her life in the show today. We also talk about this very hot topic of how to take care of yourself when you're basically really busy. And Julie has four kids, so I imagine she knows a thing about busyness. She also shares her technique for getting off social media and also talks about yoga and the particular ways that yoga can help us when we're feeling anxious. Before we get into the show, I want to make a bit of an announcement that I have just created a brand new freebie that's available on my website, particularly for you if you have social anxiety or you just want some more social confidence. So if you want to grab that, you can head over to karma-u.com forward slash free and I'm going to be sending that out very soon. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Julie Montague. So welcome, Julie. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Um, This is super exciting. Thank you. And we've been meaning to do this for a while. So it's very exciting that it's happening on an incredibly hot day here in London. I know. I'm trying not to, yeah, sweat too much under my sofa. I I know, too. We're both like, wah, like (laughs) as little on as possible. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We we actually almost did an event together in June, but it got. I think you couldn't make it because you were doing the royal wedding or something. So obviously had a very important job to do, but we missed each other. I know that. That's right. Did did that happen? Was that the um, Becky's? That was exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I knew it was the Wednesday night. I know what night it was, and I thought I might be able to do it. And I took anyway. But yes, I heard it was a huge success. So I'm sorry I can be there. We missed you, but. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. So I'd love for you to share with us what you do and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I people always ask me what I do. And I, I always have to say first and foremost, because I used to have to really think hard about it. And then I'm like, why am I thinking hard about it? First and foremost, I'm a mom of four. So that is the most important thing um, that I do is being a mom to um, my four amazing kids. Um, and then 
I guess it really a combination. Um, I don't really have one, one term. I kind of, I, I love so many things in life that I'm like, yeah, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. So, um, I'm a yoga teacher. Um, I'm also an author of four different books. Um, I have my own women's, um, wellness membership site. And then I just recently launched, um, a whole kind of not a rebrand, but a different brand called whole self yoga. And that's where I'm kind of housing my 200 hour teacher training courses, my short courses, as well as my retreats down at Mapperton. So that's all been very exciting. Amazing. Yeah. So lots of different things that you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved your book. I've got it here. Recharge. Um, it's all about taking care of yourself and it really did change my perspective on self-care and what, what it actually means. Um, can you tell us what, what led to you writing this book? Yeah. Do you know, um, it, that, that is the funny thing. Cause I think a lot of times people think of, Oh, a self-care book. They're like, wait, you're just going to tell me to go have a cup of coffee or not coffee, actually a cup of tea. Um, have an Epsom salt bath, um, you know, do some breathing, meditating, which, which some of that stuff is in there. But obviously, as you know, cause you've read it, Chloe, it's, it goes much deeper. And really the, the reason that that book was, was written was, um, because my husband became unwell um, over 10 years ago and I became a caretaker and then um, obviously a caretaker to my four children who at the time were very small, two, four, seven, and nine. And during that period, or at least the beginning part of that period, I really lost a sense of who I was. And it, and it was, yes, being a mother of four is, or being a mother period is, is rather, it's wonderful, but it's incredibly draining. Um, but then I became a caretaker as well. So I, I wasn't giving anything back to myself. I was giving all of my energy to my four kids and to my unwell husband. And I knew something had to shift because I knew every time I put the key in the door and I unlocked it, I thought, oh God, I don't want to go here. Like I didn't want to enter back in, into my house every time I put the key in, like it was like dread. Um, mm. And so that's really when I started to work on myself and and without even really knowing, you know, this was, this was sort of over, uh, not quite 10 years ago, but not knowing what self-care was at that time, really a, a definition, I really wanted to just work on myself. What was I feeling? Why was I feeling it? How can I help my feelings? How can I nurture them? How can I distinguish between are these feelings that I need to talk through or feelings that I'm making up in my head? You know, that whole thing. And that's really where um, Recharge came to be because it was, it was an opportunity for me to really look deep and work on myself, whether it was the anxiety I was going through, the stress, um, creating my own happiness, um, you know, and, and looking at ways to find my own purpose in life. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing that you're able to share those experiences with people and what you've learned. And yeah, it's really helpful. Um, what, how do you define self-care then? What, what, so if it's not Epsom salt baths, what is it in your, in your opinion? Okay. So for me, self-care consists of three different things. And, and I really believe this, um, because it's worked for me and I, and I do it almost every single day. But for me, self-care is starting um, in your head. So you have to start in your head and you have to visualize yourself on either what you want to um, be. And when I say be, it means right now I'm going, let's say I'm going through a difficult period. What, what do I want to be right now? What do I want to do right now? Um, 
What, where do I want to go? And you visualize yourself being the person you want to be or doing the thing you want to do. And whether that's achieving a goal or achieving dream, but it's way more than that. There's one thing, one part to visualize, but then you have to go down and go into the heart and you have to start to believe that. You have to believe that you are worthy of achieving that dream or worthy of um, being that person that you want to be. And then you have to go in the gut. So I work a different way down through the chakras and you have to go into the gut and once you start to see it and you start to believe it, you have to start to feel it within your own body. So you have to feel that feeling of, say it's achievement, or feel that feeling of peace, or feel that feeling of calm. It's one thing to say, I wanna be calm. It's another thing to visualize it, to start to believe it, and then to feel it. And all these three things need to work together, but we have to nurture those three things. So self-care for me is ways that you can nurture that visualization, nurture that belief in yourself and nurture that feeling in your gut. That's such an interesting way of looking at it because I think so many of us, we, we have a thought about, I don't know, yeah, wanting to be kinder to ourselves or wanting to feel enough. But actually, if you don't feel it in your body, then it's yeah. meaningless. You know, thoughts, right. thoughts can yeah. you know, just dismiss them easily. You've got to really kind of internalize it. You, you do, you have to believe it and then you have to feel it. And that's where the difference, and really that's what I always say, and, and, I, and I talk about this quite a lot in my yoga classes. For me, that is when the magic started to happen in my own life. Mm. Amazing, amazing. Um, I think one of the things about self-care that seems a bit daunting for people is that, you know, the excuse that we think of is that we're too busy to take care of ourselves or too busy to deal with things. So we'll just get caught up in busyness and taking care of ourselves or just go to the bottom of the pile. Sounds like yeah. you're, you're very busy and you probably have a solution to this. So how, how do people get around that? Okay, here, it's so funny. Somebody else just recently asked me, well, I get actually, somebody just asked me that this this week, but I get asked this quite frequently on um, whether it's through a direct message or through an email. Um, how, how are you so busy? How do you do it? all but then how do you find time for yourself like what is is there a magic combination and there isn't necessarily a magic combination but one of the things that I've learned not to do which has helped me then believe it or not to do more for others to do more for my business and to do more for myself is to not overthink it so I think a lot of times we think okay I've got four children and I have to plan, 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 plan all their schedules. Oh, and also I'm working full time. So I have to, uh, you know, I'm launching something new or, or whatever it is. Or I've got this, you know, product I want to launch or a book I want to write. So I've got to plan, um, my hours when I work on that and plan, have a business plan. And then I've got to plan. Like, I think what I, I, what, what's worked for me is the non planning, if you like. So the over planning and the planning takes so much effort. So what I, and the overthinking about it all. So what I, I always tell people is the reason I'm able to do things is because I just don't overthink it too much. I just think, yep, I can do that. Yep. I can do that too. There's, I don't think, well, what, how, how should I plan for that? Or should I write a business plan? Or do I need to have a huge chart out for my kids? If I see a chart out 
and I, I go to my friend's house and they have this timetable chart for their kids. That stresses me out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, get rid of that. Just get rid of that. It's almost like I just yeah. kind of go with the flow. Mm. And of course I put things in my diary, but I think the way and how I've gotten to where I am today and, and my husband laughs about it, but he's like, it weirdly works is I just don't overthink things. And I just, I'm, I'm very much go with the flow, what life throws at you, take it on board, learn from it, accept it, but go with the flow. And it's really helped me. Brilliant. I love that idea. I think, yeah, when you're overthinking things, you can feel overwhelmed and it uses up a lot of energy and it actually uses up a lot of time, doesn't it? Constantly going into the future and yes. thinking what could go wrong. And actually, if you're just in yeah. the moment and just taking things moment yeah. by moment, then probably you can get a lot more done and save yeah, a lot of energy. Yeah. You get, I get so much. I mean, my husband says to me, I don't know how you get everything done. I mean, then he does follow it up with, I mean, granted, Julie, you are usually five minutes late to everything, but I'm like... I'd rather be five minutes late to everything than to have the stress that would reek on me if I was overthinking the whole entire time. So I'm okay with five minutes late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's about not overthinking and going with the flow and, yeah. you know, that's how, how you can get, get more done. Yeah, it works. It works. I love that. I love that. Um, I know that you said you're, you're a yoga teacher and that's a big part of what you do. Um, does yoga help with anxiety and how, how does it help with anxiety, would you say? Oh, I mean, yoga to me is like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, for me, it's a real lifesaver. Um, yoga, not only does it help with anxiety, but it helps with, you know, a, a sort of an emotional stability, a mental clarity. And um, it, because yoga is so much more than just the physicality of the poses, you know, that's the, you know, there's eight limbs of yoga. The third limb is the asanas, the poses. There's all these, there's, you know, seven other amazing limbs, breathing, meditation, um, but also ahimsa, uh, well, niyamas, yamas, which is like ahimsa, nonviolence, things like that. And, um, and I think, you know, yoga with anxiety, it's a way to come into a class, uh, you're sort of closed off from the external world. So you're on your mat, you are being instructed in a sense to come into poses. So someone is telling you to do something so you don't have to talk back, you just have to listen and you just have to do. And But what yoga teaches you is that in order to stay in the poses, you have to stay in the present moment. So you have to be mindful. The second you lose your breath or you lose your concentration, you'll fall out, of the, fall out of the poses. So the wonderful thing about the poses is that they teach you how to breathe and they teach you how to find that meditation, that mindfulness, and that, as we know, breathing and in that sort of mindfulness state can very much help with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So just forcing you in a way to stay present when... A lot of the time we yeah. are just in our heads and yeah and I think sometimes it's so nice when I come into your yoga practice it's so nice like I don't have to talk I don't have any children talking to me I don't have to talk back to my children or my husband I just have a lovely yoga teacher reminding me I mean that's what she's doing yoga teachers we, we're just reminding you and we're guiding you to breathe and reminding you to open up and we're reminding you 
to lengthen. And we're reminding you to find that spot somewhere up, down, around that you can just defocus your eyes on. So it's a really, for me, yoga is like a, it's like a guided movement, breathing meditation practice. And all of those things, you know, can really uh, help you with your levels of, of anxiety, because as, as obviously, you know, Chloe, much more than I do, but studies have shown that, you know, breath work in particular can help at least uh, lower the, in a sense, the, I don't, I don't know if I want to use the word symptoms, but the feelings that we can get around anxiety. And that's just because what that does is it puts you into your parasympathetic nervous system. So your body starts to calm down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the point you made there about yoga being almost like a meditation for a lot of people, the thought of having to sit down and um, be quiet and still with their thoughts can seem too daunting, but actually something that incorporates movement is probably a lot more yeah. accessible for people that have busy minds, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why yoga is really on this, um, you know, leap forward into, into our modern day world is because it's one thing, it, it, it is difficult for people to, if you say, just sit down, listen to a, a, you know, a meditation, a guided meditation and breathe. And they'll be like, oh, I can't get out. I've heard that from so many people. You put them in a yoga class and they're so in the moment of, in a sense, thinking about the poses, but that's not a bad thing. The teacher says, you know, stand on your right leg. You've got to, you've, you're listening to your body. And so you're staying in the present moment and you've got to use your breath to help you do that. So you're doing something. And when you're doing something in the present moment and staying mindful around it, obviously that's going to help you with, with those worrying thoughts that go off to the future or go back to the past. Mm, brilliant. Are there any particular poses that you think are really good for anxiety or is it less about the pose and more about the, the process no. or? No, no, no. There's definitely, definitely poses that are very good for anxiety. And, and that has been shown. Do you know, I, it's obviously it's more grounding poses. So when we're anxious, we're sort of, we're up here and we're in almost like Vata energy and we need to be rooted down. And so you want to look at some of the more grounding poses. So the warriors, for example, like a warrior two grounding down through your feet, a warrior one grounding down through your feet, even a uh, wide leg forward fold, grounding down through your feet and then getting the head below the heart. So a lot of the forward foldings can help grounding through the feet, but anything that's rooting you down, that's making you feel grounded and then you're lifting up or you're lengthening through the spine so you can get the breath moving up and down, you know, the chakras and up and down and through the energy channels. So something like a forward fold, you could even do that like in the bathrooms at work or something and just sort of touch your toes yeah. for a couple of minutes and I always do tell that. people to set their alarm at work, like every hour, set their alarm and go into a forward fold for two minutes and do a breathing exercise. The people who do it are like, why haven't I been doing that my whole life? It's like you set your alarm on your phone for every hour. It goes off. You time it for two minutes. You go into a forward fold. You close your eyes and you just hang and breathe. It's wonderful. It's amazing. So simple. So simple and practical. I love yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, right in the beginning of your book, you talk about eating kind of the right foods and the link between kind of the foods that we eat and self-care can you, can you talk a bit about your perspective on that? Yeah. Listen, I grew up in, you know, in America where the culture was when I grew up, um, 
you know, we were basically the inventors of packaged and processed foods. Let's be honest. You know, we've got all those big companies like Nestle and, um, although Nestle isn't American, is it? Actually, now that I think about it, but, but I always feel that the inventions of processed and packaged foods heavily came from America. There you go, Frito Lay. That's the one I was thinking of with all of our Doritos and our Cheetos and our. But oh. I grew up. I grew up in a in a culture where everything was just in a bag or in a packet, and we're now learning the effects of a what goes into those food products aren't actually real food. Um, you know, they're sort of chemicals and and just a bunch of junk and heavily processed with um, you know refined sugar and salt. And we're now learning the effects of eating those types of foods and how that can obviously affect our weight, but it can affect our head and it can affect the, you know, the serotonin um, in our body and it can affect inflammation in the body and it can affect our sleep. So for me, it's all about, you know, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, paleo, all those different things now, it's just about going back to basics and and eating whole real foods, just like what our ancestors did. You know, our ancestors you know, ate those whole real foods, but then finding the joy in creating something out of those whole, those real foods, but then like mindfully eating, you know, we, a generation or not a, a few generations ago, they didn't have all these gadgets and that we have, we're constantly here, here, here. So we're eating while we're here, here, here. We've lost this ability to eat mindfully and just to sit down and eat and so I feel for me, emotional eating can really come from a place of, um, of obviously it can, it can not help with, uh, when we're eating emotionally, it, it will not help with our anxiety, but it comes from a place where we need to look at our behaviors on how we're eating, what we're looking at when we're eating, what we're eating and see if we can just, I even tell people 10 minutes just turn everything off for 10 minutes, make a salad and sit down and just eat it. It's 10 minutes around the clock. That's how simple it is. Yeah. So just taking that time. It is amazing how, I don't know, the idea of even 10 minutes probably for a lot of people is a bit daunted. They might have that intention to do that, but then suddenly the, the call of their mobile phone starts to kind of yeah. suck them back into Instagram or something. Yeah. But I, re I remind them. 10 minutes around a clock. That's it. And when you tell people it's 10 minutes around a clock, you're like, they're like, okay, I can do that. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's finding those 10 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think so much of food is linked with self-esteem and our self-worth. And if we don't feel like we're worthy of taking that time to eat slowly or to cook ourselves something good, then we're not necessarily going to do that. And it can almost be a bit of, of a vicious cycle, I think, and linked to self-worth. Yeah, yeah, it can. And, you know, people, I'm on the move all the time. I'm cycling from one place to another. And, you know, an example is today, you know, I was I was all the way up in Shoreditch. I had to teach this morning, then I had a meeting. And so I obviously that's, that for me, that was basically breakfast because I was quite early up in Shoreditch, breakfast and lunch. But what I did is, is you know, I, I mean, I can admit it. I went to Pratt. I got a really good breakfast at Pratt but I sat down. So I sat down for 10 minutes. I had this ritual before I went to teach this class and I did, I just people watched. It was brilliant. I just sat there. Everything was off 10 minutes. And then I had this meeting, um, in the afternoon or early afternoon. 
And again, I had to, I didn't pack anything. So I had to eat out and I found a wonderful, really healthy um, Indian place in, in Shoreditch. But what I did, 30 minutes, I just ordered my dal. It was amazing with my brown rice. And I sat for 30 minutes and I just switched off and I just ate this delicious dal. And it, but it, it, you've got to basically rewire your brain. You've got to make it a habit. And when you start making it into a habit, you actually can't, it becomes a ritual. Mm -hmm. So you can't live without it anymore. You're like, oh. so when I find those little pockets, I'm like, I'll take that 30 minutes, shut everything off. Mm -hmm. I'll take those 10 minutes before I go teach a class, but I crave those. And if I don't get them, then I become restless and grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if lots of us kind of think of when we're on our phone as, as that's relaxation time, but actually it's kind of, you know, subtly or not oh. so subtly provoking your stress levels, I think, isn't it? You know, yeah, you're on Instagram, it's, it's triggering things or answering emails. So we really do need to, to put yeah, down our devices. I think. We do. And yeah, and I, and, and we do. And I think, you know, Instagram is a, is a wonderful tool if it's used in a way that you're following accounts that you yourself find inspirational and, and they, and you look at them and they make you feel good. And, and for me, that's incredibly important in, and I know it is for you as well, Chloe is, is getting a message out to, you know, that's inspirational, that's motivational. So, and you know, it's funny, I was asked today, they're like, why don't you ever put your kids on Instagram? I'm like, you know, my Instagram isn't about, my personal, that's my, that is my, my four kids are my personal family life. You may occasionally get snippets, but maybe that's once every six months. But for me, I want people following me because they want to find some inspiration or some motivation, or they want to learn more about yoga or healthy eating or self-care, things like that. Not, I don't want people following me because they want to see pictures of my kids in the nicest way, yeah. but I, I'm careful with that. So I, I think as far as social media goes, as long as you are disciplined in following accounts that motivate and inspire you, that's great. But if you're following accounts that you look at, you're like, oh, now I feel fat or now I feel bad or I feel horrible. You got to, you know, in the nicest way, stop following those accounts and only follow the ones that, that, you know, offer something positive to your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you talk about digital detoxes in your book. I've got a bit of a theory about this. I think a lot of us, and probably myself included, you know, to a certain extent, we're a bit in denial about how much our devices affect us. And there's almost a sense, when I, I talk to people about this topic of kind of using your phone less or switching things off, I think a lot of people are quite in denial about it and don't because we don't have that contrast anymore. We don't know what it's like to be completely away from our phones. Maybe even on holiday, we've got our phones and things. So yeah. do you think that might be the case that we're actually just in denial and we need to actually take it a bit more seriously? Or what do you think about that? I think, yeah, we probably are in denial. I, I think for me, um, I always view Instagram as a tool to help my business, but it isn't my business. So I think there's two ways to look at it as, if you are using it to uh, to tool your business, that's great. But there are some people who Instagram, and, and that makes me sad, Instagram has become their whole business. Mm -hmm. And that is where Instagram could go away like that. And I always say to people, if Instagram goes away like that tomorrow, 
where's your business? So there's one way to, yes, and I think for both you and I, we use it as a tool for our own businesses, but there are people out there, and I, I say and I say they need to look very, very hard at how much time they're spending on their phone because they become so addicted because that is their business. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, you're right. I'm sure that there is, I think for me, it, on the one hand, I am one of the other things, I mean, I'm very grateful for my four kids. And the other reason I'm very grateful for them is because they take up so much time in my life that I can't be on my phone very much. You know, people will say to me, oh, I posted, I've been posting pictures for a week and you haven't liked any of my posts. And I'm like, you know what? I barely have time to even put up my own posts to much less scroll through people's posts because I've got kids, I've got another job. So, you know, and, and you know, there's that whole thing like liking other people's posts so that they'll get your likes back. I, I can't even do that because, so I'm like, if you like my post because you like the content, then please like it. But please don't like my post because you want me to like your post back so you get more likes. Because I can't play that game because I don't have time to do that. Absolutely. Do. <laughs> so there's something around you know, get, being so kind of engaged in your real life that you just sort of forget about your phone or Instagram yeah. or, you know, coming back to those real human connections that so many of us sadly are lacking because we do spend too much time online and actually getting out into the, into the real world and, and spending time with real people again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so anything else that you feel is really important to share about recharging that you want people to really kind of take away from this interview? Well, I, I think the last thing I want to share is, you know, for the people who are still really on the fence of of taking time out for themselves. And again, it's like what we talked about, whether it's the 10 minute breakfast, the 30 minute um, lunch, whether it's going deeper into, you know, your anxiety or your stress or finding your passions or living with purpose or creating your happiness. Um, I think... My always my takeaway is is it's like having children. You'll never you, no one ever no one who has a child ever regrets having a child. It's this unconditional love. But I always say to people people who are on the fence about having kids, I was like, I can tell you this: you'll never regret having a child, but you may regret not having one. That's what I always tell people when they ask me. I'm on the fence. I maybe want one, but I'm not sure if I do. And this is my answer. And it's the same thing with self care. You'll never, ever regret taking care of yourself, ever. But if you're on the fence about it, if you should or shouldn't do it, you might regret not taking care of yourself. So it's the difference between a might and a definitely you won't regret it. Interesting. Very interesting. I was yeah. reading um, a quote about um, the five regrets of the dying and how one of the biggest regrets is working too hard and not kind yeah. of taking that time for yourself. So let's not get to 80 years old yeah, and be exactly. regretting not taking care of ourselves and recharging and, and doing those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me Thank today. You. Thank you. Thanks, um, where can people find out more about you and what you're up to at the moment? Yeah. So if they just head to my website, juliemontague.com and then all the links to books and uh, to yoga and old and to yoga retreats, they're all on there. So just juliemontague.com. Amazing. And I'll put the link in the show notes for that as well. Oh, um, yeah. And, and, and social media. Oh, God, I feel bad saying that. But at Julie Montague is Instagram. Again, it's meant to be motivational, inspirational. And um, so hopefully it is. 
Yeah, so use Instagram responsibly, everyone. Use Instagram responsibly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Amazing. Well, have a great rest of your day, Julie. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm.